Welcome to TSF Life, a podcast ministry of the Shepherd's Fellowship Church in Marion, Ohio. TSF Life is designed to bring you biblical teaching in a relational way that's easy to apply to your life. Let's join Pastor Tom Hypes as we dive into today's teaching. Well, guys, if you were not here with us last week, we're still in our overarching uh, study series on the life of Jesus and learning from Jesus, um, going to be more like Jesus. But right now, we've been really focusing in on this concept of scent, and that we have this incredible opportunity, not just every day of the year, but during December, that there's a mindfulness that's out there within the culture that gives us some opportunities that might not be as easy to take. We're really talking about taking and picking low-hanging fruit right now, that it's, it's in season, it's ready to go, it's not, not hard. So for those of us who are maybe a little bit more intimidated by reaching out to others or sharing our testimony or inviting them to church or telling them the gospel, this really is a season of, of where things are ripe and ready to go. And so last week we talked about things from an aspect of being a prophet. And Chris, if you put up that, it's the second uh, one that I gave you, thank you, that um, is my favorite one. It's a little bit more detailed, but a definition of what a prophet or prophetess is uh, from this perspective is an individual who's regarded as being in contact with the divine being and is said to speak on behalf of that being, serving as someone in between, because I'm not going to try that word again, with humanity by delivering messages or teachings from the supernatural source to other people. And so certainly as we looked at last week, Amos fell into that, Jonah fell into that, Isaiah fell into that, but we also saw that the, the shepherds fell into that, that they had an experience with the divine when they, they had the message from the angels, when they came and found baby Jesus, when they had a message of the good news that brings great joy to all the people to take out, that they became, in th this sense, of prophets to take that message out. And in turn, so are we. So are we, that we've had an experience with the divine. We have the message of the divine, that we are the ones to be taking it out. So in turn, from that standpoint, again, there's a gift of prophecy. We'll talk about that another time. But from this definition, we are well, prophets. That's what we were called to do. And I'm going to say, if someone thinks I'm stretching a little bit, that today's scripture is going to help uh, redeem me a little bit as well. So with that, we want to get into the scripture because we've got a lot to cover today. So if you get your Bibles out, we're going to Matthew chapter 10. <clears throat> and we're going to cover a lot of scripture. We're going to read a little, talk a little as we go. But a lot of scripture that I'm ex excited to dig into with you. Again, there's Bibles around the room and the baskets underneath the chairs. If you've not looked lately, we actually replaced the small print ones with giant print ones. So uh, hopefully that will help you out a little bit. We really like the, the Bibles that we got. <laughs> now now Cindy's like digging and crawling to get it. Someone get Cindy a Bible. There we go. Uh, yeah, I forgot mine. <laughs> but we, we really like the ones we found for the... Uh, the prison ministry. So we're using the same Bibles that we, we provided to the prison ministry. And, uh, and uh, Chaplain Tim was able to pick those up last week and was very appreciative. So thank you again for your support on the, the prison ministry. But, uh, and again, your version is up and running as well. But we're going to get into a section that is the first time that Jesus is sending out the 12. Now we uh, are going to dabble into another sending when he sends out 72, which is a later send, sending out. But most of our focus is going to be here. And there's a couple of reasons I want to hit that. One uh, is because the disciples would be nervous. And that's one of the things I liked uh, when we went down to see The Chosen, the first two episodes the other, the other day, two weeks ago. Um, they uh, depicted this scene better than I've ever seen it depicted. 
before. Now, for those who were not able to go with us, episode one does debut on YouTube for free tonight. So if you don't, if you've not watched that, uh, grab somebody that's a techie if you don't know how to do that, but we'll, we'll get you signed on so you can watch that from your home tonight. But uh, within the first two episodes, um, they, they depicted this particular scene. And Chris, if you'll go to that picture that I've got there, th it's just from, from it, um, from that scene where he's sending them out. And the thing I think I like about it, again, from an educated biblical imagination standpoint, at least for me, whenever I read this, there's kind of this feeling like he's on the hillside and they're sitting around him on the hillside and the, the Holy Spirit wind is blowing in a particular way and those type of things go going on. Uh, but then uh, here it's just the guy sitting around talking and he's giving instruction and there's more of a conversation instead of a monologue. And I really like how they depict that pretty well in this particular telling. So I'm going to kind of bring that in a little bit as we go. But if you haven't seen it yet, I do think that this is, it's a pretty interesting scene that they have. So let's dig into it. We're going to start out in verse 5 and see where we go. It says, These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, say, Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no towns of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, Cast out demons. You receive without pain, so give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts. No bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. In whatever town you enter, or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. And as you enter the house, greet it. And if uh, the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on that day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than it is for that town. Okay, so again, the way that Matthew brings it together, there's a lot of details pretty much packed on top of, of each other. So we're going to pack this out a little bit um, because, again, I kind of like the dialogue aspect of it uh, within the biblical imagination. But the thing that I really want to show here is if you are not someone who feels overly comfortable being sent. We had a big ordination service at the end of last week. We prayed over everyone who was willing to be prayed over, knowing the oil to be sent for this season, for this mission that we have this particular week. If you are at some point going, I believe I'm called to the Great Commission because we are, but I'm peeing my pants a little bit about actually getting up and going across the break room to talk to somebody or I'm nervous about taking, get, taking one of these cars or somebody. This is where they were at. That's one of the things I like about the dialogue. They're like, what do you mean you're sending us out instead of being with you type mentality with it? And one of the things that's awesome about the first sending out is that he, I believe, this is Tom commentary, so blow it away if you want, want to. You're stuck with the scripture, but you don't have to take my commentary. Um, I believe they're nervous within it and he notices that and makes it a little bit easier for them in some ways their first time that they're going out don't go to the gentiles don't go to the samaritans you're only going to the people that are jewish now there's multiple reasons why he could have made this mission this way this is not the mission long term it's just this particular one but one again the, the message is for the jewish people first and then gentile second so i'm i'm okay getting seconds on that as a, as a gentile myself I'm glad that I'm grafted in. So it's going to them first and going to the second. But it also makes it low-hanging fruit for them. You're going to the people who understand the Scripture. 
You're going to people that are waiting for the Messiah. You're going to people that share your culture and your heritage, your history. You have all this common ground to build on. So when you say the Messiah is here, they're going to say, no, prove it to me, not Messiah is here. Who are you talking about? What's the Messiah? So they, they've got a little bit of a comfort zone within this, including uh, just the, the sheer hospitality that's going to come into play that we want to talk about of the Jewish nation because hospitality was not something that was encouraged. It was commanded. So they're going to have this hospitality over them that's going to benefit them as well. But again, I'll talk about that in a second. The other thing that he does in this particular case, and I'm going to bring in the harmony of the Gospels in Mark 6, 7. Uh, it talks about this particular section as well. It gives us the added point that they were sent out two by two, which once again we, we see in the, the chosen depiction of it. Uh, so that you're not having to go out by yourself. You're all going out with a partner. You're all going out with someone else. Uh, we are made for community. Now we're going to see in the scripture several times where people are dealing with things maybe one-on-one, -on -one, maybe like Philip in, I think it's Acts 6, somewhere in that range, where he's doing some ministry one-on-one -on -one before he's called back into culture, or Peter's doing something individual, or Paul's doing something individual. But time after time after time after time, you see in the scripture, we're doing ministry in groups. We're doing it in partnerships, where, where there's encouragement and there's ways to build each other up. Even when Paul and Barnabas split from each other in the mission trips, you still have, at the end of all of Paul's letters, by the way, Timothy sends greetings, this person sends greetings, tell this person, the, 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 the culture of the Christianity is community. So he does bring that in as well. So this is kind of giving them a little bit of a practice one. It gives them a safe spot to kind of mess up a little bit, I think even, uh, which should be something that we provide as a church too, for all of us to grow in our giftings and have safe places to fall if we mess up a little bit. Uh, so I, I love that Jesus does that. But as we start breaking this apart and as we continue into it, we're just going to kind of have a list of things that he talks to them about that I think still applies today and to any of us when we are sent out. The first one that Chris is going to put up for us is that we are called to proclaim. We are called to proclaim. Uh, the message that we are proclaiming is the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is first given to us by John the Baptist when he's preparing the road for Jesus. Uh, we can find an example of that in Matthew 3, 2, if you want to look at that. Uh, and he is, that's what he's proclaiming. That's what it tells us that he's out in the wilderness too. And Jesus shows up on the scene and things shift. The spotlight shifts from John into, onto Jesus. What is his message? The kingdom of heaven is near. So that message continues to, to go out. That's Matthew 4, 17. And that particular message of the kingdom of heaven is near should mean more to us sitting in this room today than it did a month and a half ago. Heaven is near, Jesus is near, kingdom living is near. It's, it's, it's here. This thing that they've been waiting for has come for them. It's time to prepare ourselves and to lean into it. And so we have a whole new um, aspect of, of things that, that, that they should be excited about, that people need to know about. We're in the same boat. We have the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And there's people who need to hear that. Now, here's the thing. If you've been really paying attention to the flow of what the Spirit's been doing and the teachings for the last several months, it's not just a message for the lost that we have. It's not just those who don't know Christ. It is those who know Christ but don't know Christ abundantly. Does that make sense? We've been talking about the difference between cultural Christianity and living the kingdom of God. There are people that have no idea that they're not living the kingdom of God. They're just living the tradition that they grew up in. 
and they need to hear that message as well. So we have a message to proclaim, not just to the lost, but to those who are not experiencing the fullness of who Christ is as we explore it more ourselves. So we have all that. I, one of the things I liked, uh, in, again, in the, the chosen depiction of it, uh, is the guys look like deers in a headlight when he told me to send them out uh, to proclaim, and they're like, what are we supposed to teach them? <laughs> you know, and, and I, I love the fact that he just looked at them like, everything I've been saying. I was like, probably my favorite scene and everything in there is just like, take it out. But you know, the thing that's funny is like, a lot of people go to church and it's like, they get in conversations like, man, I wish the pastor was here. You're, you're, you're learning here, you're learning from your own time in the scripture, prayerfully. You're learning your own time with one another, encouraging each other and spurring each other on. You're only responsible for what you know and he will give you the words. He'll give you the proclamation. So here, here's... Um, so, so we have proclamation. The next one we'll put up just by going down one is just going to perform. We're not just called to proclaim, but we're called to perform. In this case, he tells them to heal, to raise the dead, to cleanse lepers, and cast out demons. Okay? So basically, um, in some ways, it's called go out to the disease, go out to those who are dying or the dead that are uh, despised, uh, to go out to the people that are dirty, uh, that's a, a calling that maybe some of us miss uh, sometimes. So here's the thing that's interesting from this standpoint, because I think this should mean more to us now than it did two and a half months ago, is the things that he told them to do are messianic miracles. Every single one of them. He didn't put all the details in it, but remember, they were being taught at the time that only there's four things that only the Messiah can do. Heal someone from a birth defect. Now, he did not say this in this, but he gave them the authority to heal people from birth defects. So to heal. Uh, to take and, uh, let me show you, you don't miss any. To raise the dead after they've been dead for three days. They have the authority to do that. To cleanse leprosy, only the Messiah can do that. This he's giving them the authority to go out and do. And to cast out demons, only the Messiah can cast out deaf and dumb demons. So basically he's saying, yes, I'm the Messiah. I did these four things. You have my power through you to do my work. I want you to go do the same. And there's an A and B type lesson on this because I don't, how do I want to say this? Most people watching this or sitting in here or whatever um, are thinking, yeah, but I can't heal somebody. And the first part I want to make is you probably won't heal somebody because you're saying I can't heal somebody. Uh, because I do believe that Jesus still does these miracles today. Absolutely. And I've seen them. Uh, but I will admit this. It's not his norm. It's not his norm. Um, doesn't mean he doesn't do it. So if, as long as you're saying I can't, you're not going to be able to. So you've got to have the faith from that aspect because he might want to do it. But I will admit I've officiated more funerals than I've raised people from the dead. Okay, that that's just, just seems to be the way that he works. However, I don't diminish either the impact of the messianic miracle that might not look like the dramatic that we expect from Jesus all the time. Because I've seen miracles happen over and over again. What Christ has done through me when I say yes has nothing to do with being able to see when they were born blind or getting up out of a coffin when no one expected it. But the life change that happens in people's lives when they lean into Jesus because we reached out to them. The difference in their life because they have community with them because someone invited them to church. I've got story after story after story about that. Tons. 
And I get to be a small part of that if I say yes. It doesn't mean I have to have it all together and know everything, but I just have to perform an integrity. I have to perform as a child of God. And when I do, the miraculous happens, and I get to be part of it. I might not be able to see all of it until we get home, like we were talking about with the 2010s, but I know that God's doing things that far beyond this goofball could do. But if I say yes, he's moving. But I've got to stay in integrity because these two go hand in hand. I can't proclaim and not perform. No one's going to believe the message if I'm a hypocrite. Not that I'm always perfect, but there's a difference between not being perfect and being a hypocrite. Those two go hand in hand. So I've got to be performing by also proclaiming or else it all falls apart. Does that make sense? On the other side, I can't just perform and not proclaim or else they'll never get the message. They'll never know the reason for the, for, for the difference. I can be, have people come to my funeral and talk about what a great guy I am. By the way, that's next week, next week from Tuesday. Um, come to my funeral and talk about what a great guy I am, but never know Jesus. The two go hand in hand. So we do have both of those levels within that. Okay, as we continue this section, the, the, uh, I want to also talk about provision. Provision is number three there, Chris, if you would. This one is interesting because he tells them, take no bag, take no money, take no extra tunic, don't take extra sandals, don't take extra staff, and labor deserves his food. Um, he's teaching them. He's teaching them. Uh, and he's also testing the Jewish community. He's teaching them. He's also testing the Jewish community. This is what I was talking about with the hospitality from the Jewish nation. If you ever just wanted to do an interesting study, it's an interesting thing to study. Because, I mean, if here if we talk about taking somebody in because they're going through some struggles or whatnot, what a nice thing to do, I kind of struggle with that kind of back and forth. If we were a synagogue, if someone's struggling and you meet a stranger in your town, you will take them in, you will feed them, you will make sure that they're in good shape before they leave your house. Hospitality was very, very serious business when it came to the Jewish community. And it still is today, but not quite at the same level. Uh, and he's counting on that Jewish hospitality. And he's teaching them to trust my provision. So it's a safe place. They know that provision's out there. He also knows that some people aren't going to follow it because he says if they don't, take the piece back. Move on, go someplace else. But you will be taken care of. Uh, and the thing I've learned about faith when it comes to God's provision is you don't really learn faith in God's provision until you're needy. If, if you, you lived in a house where you've always had money, um, you, can, you can have faith in his provision. I know he provides and those type of things. But I b truly believe he purposely puts us into places where we have nothing so we learn how to look to him. And the thing that's hypocritical about us, I, lo I love us as sinful creatures, as soon as the need is taken care of, we tend to forget about God again. But here he's teaching them to be in need so that you will look to me for your provision so you don't have to worry about that stuff like the rest of the world and we can get the mission done. Uh, so there will be times that you need to lean on him for his provision. Uh, I think I have Luke 22 loaded up. Yeah, this is coming back from the 72. This is not coming back from the 12. But he sends out the 72, and the 72 come, uh, oh, well, they're getting ready to send them out here in this place. I think later is when they come back. But he says to them in this section, he says, when I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? What's he referring to? He's referring to this time in Matthew, Matthew 10. And they said, no, we didn't lack anything. We didn't lack anything. And he said to them, but now let the one who has a money bag take it, and likewise a knapsack. And let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. 
For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors. For what is written about me has to be fulfilled. And they said, Look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said to them, It is enough. So here, the reason I wanted to bring this into is, one, they learned their lesson that they lacked nothing. But secondly, not every mission will be one where you're in need. Every mission does look differently. I, I've, I've seen people teach on these scriptures and not bring in the full context of the scripture that you are only allowed to go to the Jewish people and you aren't allowed to take a cash or you're not allowed to take some method of self-defense. Now, on the self-defense end of things, let me, let me say this. The sword issue, I've seen people misuse this scripture um, to, to def def defend our rights when it comes to guns or swords or whatever, that type of thing, and see here. Um, that where it says, and he said to them, it is enough. The, the original text, when you translate that, is not, those two swords will do it. We can take them with two swords. That's not what he's saying. He's like, you're focusing on the wrong part. That's enough of that. That's enough of that. I, I, I really didn't want the sword thing to be the big issue of it. it it's about the message. It's about the thing. And uh, I remember, again, I've talked a couple times about going down and listening to uh, Michael Card's teaching on the life of Jesus the last couple of years. And uh, I've shared with you, he had a, a, a gentleman in his life, his mentor, his name was Bill Lane. And um, Bill Lane, from his standpoint, um, said this is the biggest voice that he ever struggled with is the whole thing about the two swords. Like, that doesn't fit Jesus' context or that type of thing. And um, so when he was living with Michael and passing away slowly over those months, uh, Michael spent about six weeks on it and came back to him and said, I think what it is is that the first time he was sent to the Jewish people and they had that protection over them because they were in the Jewish community. But now they're going to the Gentile communities. The Samaritan communities are going to the whole world. There's not as much protection there. They're going to be staying in hostile environments more. And so there, it was okay for them to have the self-defense that they didn't need in the first one. And he said the bill didn't say anything, and it hurt his feelings because he thought he really found something there. And he said a couple of weeks later, he went to him and said, you know, you hurt my feelings last week when you didn't, didn't respond to it. And he goes, well, I think you're onto something. So that's what I think about the code. People debate it all the time. But here's, the, here's one thing I do know, that this was said to them shortly before they left, went to the garden, and Peter thought a sword was a good answer, and Jesus says we don't do that. So I'd be really cautious on how, how we convey that aspect of it, but nonetheless, Jesus said it. Jesus said it, so it's something to struggle with. But um, again, provision, I think, is the main thing that we have within this and the lesson that they learned with it. And then the next one we'll give you is peace. Which would be kind of peace that it would be easy, but it's not the peace that he's talking about. He's talking about um, they will have peace if they receive it, and they may not receive it. And that's, I think, one of the biggest lessons we have to, to have, especially if we're witnessing to somebody or inviting somebody that we really care about, and they reject it. You do not have the control over the response. You only have control over what you share. I was getting my uh, haircut yesterday. And uh, my barber was talking about their Christmas Eve Eve gathering. He's like, I always invite my family, and they never come. Keep inviting your family. That's the only thing you have control over. only thing you have control over. So make sure that we understand the peace comes from the gospel, and it's up to them whether or not they receive it. It's just our call to do it. Okay, verse 16. Let's dig into some more. Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. That's inviting. So be wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. 
and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death. The father, his child, and children will raise up against their parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant to be like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? Okay, so the next one we're going to add to that, number five, is going to be persecution. We can expect it. Um, we have a segment of our cultural Christianity that calls anything that's a bad day persecution that's not the same thing that Jesus is talking about uh, here. Just because we didn't get away on something uh, doesn't quite work. I shared out a story this, this week. Um, I'm kind of half-half about sharing the story because of the group I wasn't too nuts about. But the, the headline was a Christian group was supposed to be having this meeting at a restaurant, like had a room set aside so they could have a meeting and a meal there. And the restaurant like checked them out online and now and a half beforehand. Uh, didn't like what they stood for. Um, and so they canceled the reservation and told them to find someplace else. So it's kind of like the reverse of, you know, I'd, uh, again, I heard some signs, but it's the reverse of I make cakes I'd, and I don't feel comfortable making cakes for same-sex marriages. So I say no. It's, it's how you look at it, how you want, I guess, as far as what we reserve our rights and what we don't. Uh, the Christian group themselves um, have a lot of, the theology, right? But then one of these groups that don't act in love in any way, shape, or form. That's the reason why I'm kind of half-half about the whole thing. And the thing that I, was kind of nauseating, and again, everybody can have a different opinion. You'll probably get mad at me as I speak. Um, but I think it's okay for them to, to not host that meeting. It's not like they're just having lunch or host that meeting. If it doesn't align with the owner's view, myself, and they can find another place out of me, me personally, in the same way with a cake or whatever the case may be. Uh, but immediately, both sides were immediately playing it out politically. We're a place of inclusion in other places. Look, we've been canceled again. It's just like the Bible says, there's persecution against us. You didn't get a roast beef sandwich. You know, it's not, uh, what Jesus is talking about here, we have to make sure that we understand persecution. We're delivered to the courts. We'll be flogged in the synagogues. In other words, we'll be beaten in the church. It's very different than having your reservation canceled. Will be dragged before leaders, both political and religious leaders. There will be false witnesses against us. Our brother would not just take and not really not like you anymore. You have debates over Thanksgiving. He will betray you to death. Children will betray their parents to death. You, when you're in these situations, flee to another town. And Jesus wasn't joking with them. These guys that's in that that, that depicted in that picture, one committed suicide, one died of natural death of old age by being on a prison island. And the other ten were all killed for Jesus. Were persecuted and killed for Jesus. So we will be persecuted at different levels. Uh, I think we have to keep in mind exactly how, you know, again, 
that persecution plays out and how we portray the persecution because I think we undercut our witness when we say little things are big. But anyways, I think that's part of why he gives us his advice. Be wise as serpents, innocent as doves, don't be anxious, you will be given your words at the time that you need them. Those are the four big dis- instructions when it comes to th- this uh, persecution we go through. Be wise as serpents, innocent as doves. If you can memorize that one verse and really struggle with it, and that's the only thing you take from today, awesome. How do I be as wise as a serpent but innocent as a dove? I go into meetings all the time, all the time, or one-on-ones with people, or pastoral care with people, or planning an event, planning a wedding, whatever the case may be, and there's a lot of strategy that goes into it, but not to manipulate people to get what I want, but to be able to use the gifts and skills that God's given me to be able to get the message that they need to hear from Jesus. It's okay to be that person. The other side of it is you don't want to be pushing strategizers to the point that you've got it all figured out and innocent as a dove, and then the Holy Spirit says, hey, wait, let's do this over here. And you don't, wait, that's not part of my plan. No, don't worry about your plan. Now that goes out the window. You did your part, you did your sacrifice, you were cute, shut up. Now, my turn. And let, let, him, let him steal the show. Let him take, take it over. And those words will be given at time of persecution. And the awesome part is that he'll give you the words even when it's not persecution. So, Next part, 26. There's so much more in here. I'll I, I acknowledge that, but I'm just trying to get the gist here. 26. So, have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you've heard, you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two spirits sold for a penny? Are not one of them uh, uh, will fall to the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more value than many spirits. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my father who is in heaven. The next thing he promises us is power. Power, power for the righteous, that we don't have to have fear, that all will be revealed, that all will be known, that all will be in the light. I don't know about you, but I'm a person that overthinks. And so when someone says something about me, maybe it's gossip or maybe it's a backstab or whatever the case may be, I'm sure that never happens to you. Uh, you, you go and go into this mode of how can I correct this so nobody thinks this and da 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 and I've learned you communicate, and then God's going to have to take care of the rest. God's going to have to take care of, you, of the rest. Uh, if you, you get in trouble, and you don't have to stress about how everybody else is going to think about it. If, you, if it's a false trouble, your integrity will stand up for you. Uh, that's important for us, I think, as Christians to get. Uh, I think it's something that we need to, to learn how to grow in more. Um, there's a, and it's been going on for several years, but it keeps getting worse year by year of just this mass uh, exposure of false celebrity uh, pastors um, has been overwhelming, overwhelming. Uh, Jesus is going to take care of that. He's going to take care of that. He doesn't let that continue. Uh, there's pastors in our community and the, the country around us that uh, are not exposed yet. He'll take care of that. It's not, not mine to do that. I, we pray for it. We reach out. We communicate. 
Uh, but then we have to just kind of trust God with the rest of it. Fear those who killed the soul but not the body. Uh, and you're more valuable than them. I, I kind of horribly chuckled. I don't know if it was, did I chuckle out loud? I don't know. But he's talking about the, the dove falling outside of his will. I had a squirrel yesterday. And I felt <laughs> bad about it. I told my daughter later about it. She's like, oh, I know you. You didn't, you didn't get upset about it, but you sure did think about it a lot. Like, yeah, my daughter knows me pretty good. I said about the only, only thing I have, because you know he was getting ready for the winter. The poor guy. There's a whole sermon just in this one little black squirrel. He's just preparing for tomorrow. And he decides to dance with a Jeep truck, and he loses. And he did dance. I was trying to miss him. He was trying not to. He didn't know what was going on. Now he's dead. Tomorrow's not promised to me or you. But some coyote probably. Anyways. Oh, another issue. Oh, another issue. But here's the thing that would kill me. Here's the thing that would kill me. Emily got to talking the other day about Columbine. And depending on how old you are is how you respond to Columbine. Because I was... Uh, I was a youth pastor with a, with a youth group of about 25 or 30 the day the Columbine happened. And it, um, it changed. It changed our world. And uh, I had to walk through that with, with those, those teens. And um, now with her generation, they're just raised with it. You know, they, there's fire drills, there's tornado drills, there's shooter skill, there's, you know, drills and whatnot. And she got to talking about the casting, but now aspect of it, and again, I don't know what all everybody knows and doesn't know, and some of the, the stuff she was talking about has now been disputed a little bit, but the story still stands that she was a student in the library that supposedly they put a gun to her head and said, do you still believe in Jesus? And uh, she said, no, they weren't going to kill her, and she said, yes, and they shot her and killed her. Um, and there's a lot more to that story, but, and Emily was talking about, like, would she say yes or no? Not necessarily even from a fear standpoint, but from a human logic standpoint. Like, there's probably, if you take the Bible out, it's like, well, if I say no, then I can ask forgiveness later and continue my life and my ministry. You know what I mean? Uh, kind of type feel. But the Bible tells us, and we're about to read the section, you who, if you acknowledge me before man, I, I acknowledge you before my, my father. If you deny me before man, I'll deny you before my father. And then we can get in a whole different trip. Okay, what's that mean about salvation? And some people sell, some, you know, once they've always say, okay, backslide, or what happens there? All I know is I pray if I'm in that situation, I would say yes. And I could care less about that school, but I would easily give up my life before my daughters. But I pray that in the truth, of what this world will eventually become when it comes to this persecution, that my daughter will have the strength to say yes as well. We need to be prepared for that persecution. We need to be ready for those next steps. 26. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that would not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. Wait, did I already read this? <laughs> did I skip the whole part of our power? And, where are we at? Let's go to 34. I know where we're at. 34. Come on now, people. I can't handle this persecution. I think what's throwing me, Chris, it's not up there. That's what's throwing me. Yeah, there it is, power. 
Okay, 34. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. So the next one I want to give you is prizes. Prizes. Now this is where it gets a little bit interesting because he tells us not to take a sword, but then he says he's the sword. Did you catch that? He's the one that is the weapon. He's the one that's the device. He is the one that has protection. The message will bring the sword. In other words, you won't make everybody happy, like we said, but if you're performing and you're proclaiming, he will give opportunities. Sometimes it will go well and sometimes it will go wrong. I, uh, with that story I was talking about the other day uh, about this group, I got into a conversation in the comments with a buddy of mine named Sean, and Sean uh, is not, not a, a Christian. He's been here once many years ago, uh, just to kind of check it out and whatnot. But um, we were going back and forth in a discussion on some of the points, and many of the points we agree on. And he said within it, like, I'm, I, I find it hard to find Christians who are willing to discuss. But I'm thank, thankful that we can have these discussions. Even though he hasn't accepted Christ, that is a step between the proclamation and the, the performance. There's another young lady, she's a couple years older than I am. I was buddies with her little brother in school, and I haven't seen her since late 80s. And she lives, like, I think, in Nevada or something like that now. Um, and she's kind of vocal against the hypocrisy of Christians. Um, and uh, again, I agree with some of her points that she throws out there. But she almost always puts in there the exclusion of a pastor that was a buddy of mine in Johnstown that she grew up with and me. Because I don't see it in them. At least that's the real deals type things. And that's a type, sometimes that's the step that God wants to do with us. And when we do those things, whatever they do with it, he talks about this eternal award. And that we will take and be able to move forward and receive these things. These things can't be taken from us. But can you notice in verse 41 what word he uses? The one who receives a prophet because he's a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. The one who's righteous because uh, they're a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. Even here, he's calling them prophets now. Why? Because they've had a connection with the divine. They have a message from the divine. They're taking it out, the divine. And that is what our calling is to do. This next scripture, if you put the next one up there, Chris is the one that I was thinking about earlier where the 72 we come, come back. And I wish we had this same collection from the 12, but I think this definitely gives us a good feel for how things go. If you go out, if you're sent, if you do the work, if you take and do the, do the message, 
It says the 72 returned with joy, and they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to your name. Uh, and I, li- I like, I, I want the chosen to do that. Maybe we can do it. Maybe we just stop waiting on the chosen to do stuff. We do, we do a skit. They come back and they're pumped like, it's crazy. The demons are even leaving in your name. Like we were casting out illness. We're casting out demons. We're seeing people come back from the dead. We see all these things going on. And Jesus, I think he's not annoyed with them. I think he's kind of delighted with them, but trying to shave sh- sh- them a little bit. It's like in the middle, like, like okay, that's all good. I, but I, I saw Satan get kicked out of heaven. That was pretty cool too. But don't rejoice about that stuff. That's not the stuff that, that I called you out there to do. Stuff I called, that, that I say rejoice over, is your name is in the book in heaven. That's what you should be rejoicing about. Miracles and demons getting kicked out and all this stuff that ends up making the movie. That's nothing compared to you having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I would add, and you're leading others to have it as well. If we are sent out in these ways, there's tons of warnings within it. But what will your stories be? if we actually do what he calls us to do? And what kind of light would be in our life versus the darkness and the other things that we have? What kind of freedom instead of the anxiety, instead of the struggle? What kind of relationship instead of the hypocrisy? What will the world see instead of some of the things that we've talked about today? If you were blessed by today's teaching, we hope you return for our next podcast. Or better yet, Stop by the Shepherd's Fellowship any Sunday morning to join us live. You can learn more about the church by calling 740-382-3500 or check us out online by going to tsflife.com. That's tsflife.com. You can also support the ministry of TSF Life by donating at our church website or sending support to the Shepherd's Fellowship 1647 Marion Marysville Road, Marion, Ohio, 43302. Thank you for spending your time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Be blessed.